we're going to be we're going to be going to a few places this morning, but uh, it's kind of along the same themes as in the Sunday school, the same thing that we were in in Sunday school, and it's with the question, how does the law apply to us today? And uh, I've, I've said before, this is one of my favorite subjects, just because this is where I get out the index cards and the and the uh, thread. But you know, when it comes to laws, there's some there's some silly laws that are out there. I just picked up a few of them here for you. Like in Alabama, it's prohibited to open an umbrella on a street. You know what they say with warning instructions? It, if they had to put the warning there, I mean, something happened. You know, in order somebody did it in order for them to warn you not to eat the desiccant pack in your shoes, not to uh, not to spill the coffee on yourself, things like that. Also in Alabama, it's illegal to throw confetti or spray silly string. Now they didn't give the exact area of these laws, but you know, but I imagine there's a story behind every one of these. In Alaska. Flamingos are not allowed in barbershops. <laughs> Would you have liked to have been there that night? <laughs> this one makes sense. In Arizona, denying someone a glass of water is prohibited. I thought about it. I said, well, that's Arizona, desert, okay. Arkansas, Little Rock. Dogs are not to bark after 6 p.m. Or woe be unto you. California, Burlingham, spitting is only permitted on baseball diamonds. You got to make an allowance. This one makes sense. Colorado, it's illegal to collect rainwater. Also in Colorado, it's illegal for car dealers to show cars on Sunday. Makes sense, right? I remember when I was a kid, we had the blue laws. I think my mom knew it. I was back, buy me this, buy me, you know, they put the toys in the grocery store. I had it in my hand. Okay, I finally got her to say yes. She finally said yes. We got up there and the woman said, I can't do that with this blue law. I can only sell food on Sunday. Y'all remember the blue law? And uh, I think my mom knew that. She just wanted to lady to tell me <laughs> broke my heart in Connecticut a pickle is not a pickle unless it bounces I didn't know they bounce the singing in public places while wearing a bathing suit is not allowed in Florida you can't skateboard without a license in Florida This is my favorite one. In Gainesville, Georgia, it's illegal to eat fried chicken any way but with your hands. And uh, they, they actually said, you know, while that may sound hard to enforce, it was actually enforced in 2009 against a, an 80-year-old or something like that. They were eating their chicken with a fork and got arrested. Hey, I lived in Georgia a while. It is a sin to eat chicken, fried chicken with, your, with a, a fork. 
Over in Quitman, Georgia, chickens are not permitted to cross the road. So you can never get the answer. Why did the chicken cross the road? In Hawaii, you cannot place a coin behind your ear. Now, Maine's pretty smart about their laws. Nobody is to step out of a plane mid-flight. But I guess in fairness, that would include skydiving, wouldn't it? Minnesota, nobody is to cross state lines with a duck atop their head. You just kind of wonder who they were trying to pin down. In Missouri, Mole, Missouri, it's prohibited to frighten a baby. In, in Billings, Montana, the raising of pet rats is prohibited. That makes sense. In Lehigh, Nebraska, donut holes are not to be sold. No camels are allowed on highways in Nevada. And... Uh, No slippers before 10 p.m. in New York. It's illegal to sing off-key in North Carolina. Hey. Huh? Amen, Didi said. I saw her flinch when I started to sing out earlier. And uh, we're almost done. North Carolina, no bingo game should last more than five hours. Uh, Oregon drivers must pump their own gas. In Tennessee, it's prohibited to catch a fish using a lasso. I'd really like to see that law broken. In Utah, drinking of milk is mandatory. And in Washington State, it is prohibited to, to harass Bigfoot. It's a $100,000 fine if you shoot him. Or harassing, you know. So we have all kinds of laws in our culture. All right, let's have a word of prayer. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7. We'll be in Matthew chapter number 5. We'll be in Galatians chapter number 3. You can write all this down. We'll be in uh, Romans chapter 3 a little bit. A little of this, a little of that. Let's pray. Amen. So the question is, I mean... You know, they, they had laws in the Old Testament. And they said, you know, God said not to eat shellfish. Christians today, we say it's fine to eat shellfish, right? We, if we have lobster, crawfish. I thank the Lord that we can eat the crawfish, eat the shrimp, because I like them shrimp, even though I've, I can only have them sometimes because Dee Dee is highly allergic to them. So we, the, the laws were given in the Old Testament, but we don't follow them all. We don't keep a lamb and bring it to the altar every year to make an atonement for our sins. Something changed. We know that that something was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. He was the perfect sacrifice. When he gave his life on the cross, it was his blood that paid the price for our sins once and for all time. And then he sat down on the right hand of God, the Bible tells us. So when we look at the law, we have, you have some churches or you have some denominations and they say, well, see, God didn't do away with the law. Look over in, uh, I, I put you in Romans 7, but that's because we're going to come back to it. 
But Matthew chapter number 5, and up until this time in Matthew chapter number 5, the, the, the Jews, the Israelites, they went to the temple and they made the sacrifices for their sins. But something was changing. And they were keeping the law on the outside. I always make that point. They were keeping the law on the outside because when you have a law, you can keep it on the outside. If the law says that you can't jaywalk, it's like, well, if I don't get caught, I didn't jaywalk, right? If I don't get caught speeding, was I really speeding? You know, right now my speedometer goes out every now and then. We're trying to save up the money to, to be able to fix that. It's intermittent, which is even worse. But, you know, so if my speedometer is not reading and I'm over the limit, am I really speeding? But something changed. You can keep the law externally. So you can say, well, I'm not jaywalking. But in your mind, you're trotting across the road, right? I don't know. I'm just trying to make an example. In Matthew chapter number five, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and something, and he's talking to the people. This is the uh, Sermon on the Mount where he starts off with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And it's in this context, when you get to verse number 17, he tells them, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And he says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And that jot and tittle that's explained has been uh, marks in the Hebrew language, in the written Hebrew language. In, uh, in other words, not one, every I and every T will still be crossed, if you kind of put it in our terms. But he's saying nothing is passing from the law. So how is it that as Christians we can eat the shellfish or we can do this or that? How is it if the law did not pass away? Because other denominations or other, other whatever you want to call it, religions, whatever, they, they say that you have to keep the law in order to be in God's grace. And I'm not trying to free you up to be lawless. I'm just trying to show you how the law applies. So he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. So how did that happen? And then look what he does next. He says, For for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever shall break one of the least, one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But then look what he says in verse number 20. He says, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the religious bunch. They were the ones that knew the law, jot and tittle. They were the ones that kept the law. They were the ones that, that structured their life around keeping the law. They, they wrote Bible verses on the frontlets and kept them on their forehead when they prayed. They, they had all kinds of Procedure set up for, 
for praying, for keeping the outside of the cup clean, for washing their hands before they ate, before, uh, for staying away from the Gentiles. They, they kept the law as God laid it out. But he's telling the people there, he said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if you leave it right there, it's kind of like, well, who then can be saved? Who gets to go into heaven if we have to exceed their righteousness? Because I'm looking at them and, man, they're, they're at the temple. They're saying their prayers and, and they're holy and, and they wear their clothes just right and everything. How am I supposed to exceed their righteousness? And then he goes on in verse 21. And then here's a dynamic change that's taking place in Matthew chapter number 5. You get get past the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking to them, and and something, there's a change that takes place in Matthew chapter number 5, and he's showing them something. He says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, and we've heard this in Sunday school here the past month or so, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. So he's referring to the law as it is written. He said, you heard it said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. He said, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, it's an interesting thing without parsing every bit of that, because that's not where the sermon is, but. He's taking the law that says, thou shalt not kill. And he's making that look easy. He says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. Well, I hadn't killed anybody. I'm good. But then Jesus is saying, your righteousness needs to exceed their righteousness in order to get into heaven. And he's saying that if you're angry in your heart without a cause, if you call your brother, thou fool, then you're going to hell. Now there's more to it than that, but he, he's doing something, taking this law from the outside, and he's beginning to internalize this law. In uh, verse 23, uh, yeah, I'll read it, but we're going to go on from there because it's, he said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, let there leave there thy gift at the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother and then come offer thy gift. And that's a whole nother sermon in there. Look at verse number 27. Verse 27. He said, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. And we've heard this over and over again in the course we're doing in, in uh, Sunday school. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Well, my goodness, you can't drive down the road without that, right? Bullet billboards and TV commercials and everything, drive by the beach, whatever. It's kind of hard to avoid. Jesus is saying to these Pharisees that they've got everything figured out. They haven't cheated on their wives. They haven't committed adultery. They haven't committed fornication. But what did you do in your heart? And that's where Jesus takes it. So your righteousness has to exceed their righteousness because he knows in their heart 
what they've done. And that's where the law, the, the, the law begins to reveal something inside of you. He said, uh, verse 23, again, you have heard it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou forswear, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, or whatsoever, or yes, yes, or no, no, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You go back in time, a man's word was was his bond, right? And that's what Jesus, that's where it comes from, the Bible. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Don't come up with all kinds of excuses. But again, that's a whole other sermon. Jesus is taking it from the outside. You know, it's been said, all time thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now Jesus is saying, well, not just to the Lord, because here before God, you're making an oath and you keep that. But over here, when you deal with your fellow man, you had no qualms about lying to him. I told the story about the deacon wrapped the belt around the bearings. You know, it only lasts so long. And my, oh, my goodness, my bearings went out after I paid $1,200 for this car or whatever it was. It's about being honest. So that, that comes in the part where it said, well, you have, have you ever told a lie? Oh, not a big one. I never lied to God. He internalizes it. Verse 38, you have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, and uh, that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And Jesus begins to internalize the law. All right, so go back to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter 7, and this is what I wanted to look at, but this takes us to other places. And uh, I thought, well, you've you've referred to Romans 7 so many times. And I went and looked back, and it's like, yeah, but I haven't actually done a whole sermon on Romans chapter 7. But he says, know ye not, brethren, and it may be two sermons, He said, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. And this is Paul talking. This is Paul writing to the the Christians in Rome. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Now Paul's laying the groundwork for the law because something has changed. We saw that Jesus was internalizing the law back then. That's the way I see it because everything was outward and you were good. But Jesus is showing something inside of man that has changed. Now, Paul goes on to explain here in Romans chapter number seven, he's explaining about the law to those that know the law and those that keep the law. But he's He's trying to explain the Christian's relationship to the law as it is. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as she liveth. 
as long as he liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she be married to another man. So when we look at the Old Testament law, the woman that was married to a man, it was for life. If she were to leave that husband and marry another man, even though the husband's still alive, she's still bound by the law in that relationship. Don't start granting. We're not going to be talking about that. She is from that law. Uh, she is free from that law. And this is in the context of the Jewish law, the, the law of the Old Testament, so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she be married to another man. He said, wherefore, my brethren, and this is the key part we were getting to, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So something changed when Jesus died on the cross. You are become dead to the law. And just as that woman was freed from the law when her husband died, we were freed up from the law through Jesus Christ. And then he says, uh, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Look at Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. And this is in the context where we're talking about, but now we are delivered from the law, over here in Romans 7, 6, he said, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So when Jesus Christ died, our relationship to the law changed. We were no longer bound by it. As Christians now, as Christians. Now, in Romans chapter 6, Paul is talking about the old man and the new man. He says in verse number 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Don't get that confused. There's no water anywhere in this verse. He said, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, and that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The picture that's painted here, Jesus Christ died on the cross, and we're going to read a little further, and it's going to show this picture. When Jesus died on the cross, baptism is a picture of that. You go into the water, it's a picture of your death with Christ and being raised again in newness of life. It's a picture of what takes place. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I think we're going to have to go back to Romans chapter number 3 to cover why you need this, but um, your, your relationship to that law ends because you're identifying with Jesus Christ in death. And look, let's look at it again. He says, therefore, verse number 4, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, in newness of life, in newness of life. You know what that means? That means you don't do what you did before. Step away from it. And this passage has a pretty good explanation of that. It starts off with, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. No, you don't continue in sin. You walk in newness of life. And uh, verse number five, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. 
when you identify with Jesus Christ, you're identifying with his death. The old man dies and you identify with his resurrection. Knowing this, verse number six, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's loaded. So there's something that takes place. You know, a man, when, what we went over in Sunday school this morning, it talked about the, the carnal person, the person outside of Christ. They're carnal. They're in the flesh. They, they're taking over the lasciviousness and, and different sin. But he says that as Christians, we should not serve sin. When you identify, it's, it's like your sin died on the cross with Jesus Christ. Verse number seven, for he, and here we go. This is where it ties back. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, let's, let's take that down to the, to the meat and potatoes, right? Who's the only, when's the only time in your life you're not going to sin? When you're dead. There's been a lot of bad people, and when they finally died, they were done being bad. So it said, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, I know this is loaded, but it's just us this morning. It's just us. He said, now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. He says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. He's off the cross. That's why our cross is empty. He doesn't die every Sunday. He doesn't die when we take the communion. He's, he died, and he's going to die no more. He died once and for all sin. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So likewise, and this is verse number 11, this is one to, to put in your pocket. This is one to put into your life. Because there's something that you need to do here. You know, that people say, well, I got saved and everything's right. I got, you know, I got saved and that's all I need to do. You know, we talked about leading someone to the Lord and getting them into church or getting them, you know, getting them into the word, getting them, getting them with other Christians. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Because you've identified with Jesus Christ, reckon yourselves, you know, reckon. It's a southern word. It's proof that this Bible is a southern book. It says, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of people just stick around in the grave. Except Christ is their Savior, they've identified whether they realize it or not, and in baptism, that's what you're doing. You're identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's just, it's just a picture. That's not what saves you. It's a picture. But it says, likewise, reckon. There's something that you need to do. Well, I reckon we're going to go. I reckon I need to do that. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in verse number 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. I, 
I can't go on there. That's another sermon. Go back to Romans chapter number 7. So back in number 7, and we're looking at the relationship of the law to us as Christians. How does the law apply? Does that mean that we need to be at church on the Sabbath? We need to be there on the Sabbath. We, what laws do we keep when we go back? Well, do we need to keep the, the shelf? I can't. I don't have them all in my head right now. But what laws do we need to keep that God laid out? Do we need to offer the sacrifice? Do we need to keep the feast? Do we need to? And I knew a man that, that got kind of caught up in that. He thought that we still needed to keep the feast and everything. It's understanding your relationship to Christ and what Christ did. Jesus came in Matthew and he began to change things. He began to take it from the external to the internal. And once you begin internally applying the law, every man is guilty. Go back to Romans chapter number three. It's a perfect opportunity to tell you about that. Romans chapter number three. And for context, he says in Romans 3.10, which you may have heard if you know the Romans road, he says that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together unprofitable, become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Uh, verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That was a cool one. Now we know that what things soever the law saith <coughs> is saith to them that are under the law. Why? That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You know, you'll find out in government they'll make enough law so that everybody will be guilty so they can get you at any time. God showed us the law, and we're going to see that in Romans chapter 7. We're going to see that in Romans chapter number 7. But God gave the law to show us the wickedness in our heart. And y'all say, well, I know this, I know this. Well, pay attention to the verses that I'm showing you, and you'll know a little more. And he said, therefore, verse number 20. And this is Paul talking to Christians. He said, therefore, by the deeds of the law... There shall be no flesh justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It's the law that shows us what sin is. And you say, well, I know that, Brother Key. Well, could you give me the verse? If you couldn't, write it down and memorize it. He said, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and by the prophets, even the righteousness which is of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. And in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the law shows you that. We are all guilty before God. What do you do about that? Well, let's continue on with the sermon. We'll finish up with that. Go back to Romans chapter number 7. Verse number four, wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Remember that? We looked in Romans chapter number six. We saw that we are dead to the law by the body of Christ. We have, we have died with Christ on the cross. 
that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Remember that? He said over in chapter number 6, he said, Likewise reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse number five, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring fruit, bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The newness of the spirit, walking in the spirit. When we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, and just the quick answer for that, walking in the Spirit is, is walking in the way that God would have you to walk. It's staying close to God. It's staying in prayer. It's staying in your Bible. And, and the thing about walking in the Spirit, it's not that you can produce this stuff on your own. When, it, when you go over into Galatians chapter number 5, and you see the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, you, you bear fruit. A tree bears fruit because it stays planted in the ground. It gets watered and it gets fertilized. It it, it gets nutrients from the soil and it begins to grow and bear fruit. It doesn't sit there and think, okay, I'm going to, as a Christian, okay, I'm going to be peaceful. Okay, I'm I'm, going to bear this fruit that's listed out, the nine fruits of the Spirit. It's when you stay close to God, when you're walking in the Spirit, you begin to Show these things over in Galatians chapter number five. And I'll just read it right quick just because my mind wouldn't let me remember it. He said, but uh, verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. If you, if you just sit around and say, well, I'm going to have joy, and there are people that have fake joy. If, if all you're doing is trying to put yourself in that framework, then all you're doing is generating this artificial love, joy, peace. But when you stay in God's word, when you stay in prayer, when you stay in your Bible and God begins to show you things about you and you, and you say, whoa, I need to work on that. And, and you kind of clean that up. Man, I remember sitting under preaching, man. We go to uh, revival meetings and buddy, the preacher get to spitting and uh, hollering. But if God would start speaking to you. And it's like, ooh, that hurts. But when you're walking in the spirit, it's like, well, I need to kind of, I need to kind of knock the edge off of that problem. I need to do something about that. And you, you're getting closer to God because all you're thinking about is I want to be close to the Lord. You're not thinking, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this because all that'll do is frustrate you. So back in Romans chapter number seven. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held. Let's see. Verse number seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. In other words, lustful desire. 
the law shows you what's wrong, and it's like, oh, speed limit? <laughs> I got away with it. I say that because my speedometer intermittently goes out, you know. But the, the, the point being, Paul says in verse number 8, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. In other words, when I didn't have the law, I didn't know I was doing wrong. If there's no speed, sign, speed limit sign, hey, I'm fine. But, verse number nine, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Now I look back, I don't know if it's a page or what for you, Romans 6.23, this is part of the Romans road. Romans 6.23 Y'all know this verse. It's one of my favorite ones. For the wages of sin is death. Remember, we saw over in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to wind it up here. The wages of sin is death. You know, I'm talking to Christians I'm talking to people that have professed Christ. And, and the reason I show you this is so that you have an understanding, so that you, because you fight these battles on a daily basis and you might not know what you're fighting or why you're fighting. And you say, well, I'm saved, but I keep wanting to do this. I keep messing up. And it's understanding where you fall down on that, what, what, what's tripping you up. And it's because you're not walking in it. You get out of your Bible, you begin to get away from God. These things begin to trip you up. Now, we've talked about the law, and we've talked about the different things. Have you kept the law your whole life? If you died right now, and you were to stand before God on the day of judgment, would you be guilty or innocent? If you all stand up, it's a little different.